welcome to you and your family this morning. There's a uh, story told of an elderly couple who were asleep in bed one night and they were woken by commotion in the lounge and they go out and they disturb a burglar who's rummaging through their stuff and and the burglar, as he's surprised, he turns around and turns around in a hurry and his balaclava drops off, his disguise goes, and he realises, of course, that the elderly couple have seen him and can identify him. And so he gets out his gun and he says, I've got to shoot you now because you know who I am. And so he points the gun at the elderly woman and he says, before I shoot you, I need to know your name. And she says, my name's Elizabeth. At which point he breaks out in tears. He starts to sob and he says, I can't shoot you. He says, my mother's name was Elizabeth. And then he composes himself and he points the gun at the husband and he says, well, what's your name? And the gentleman says, he says, well, my name's Joe, but my friends call me Elizabeth. (laughs) Our identity or our name or what we call ourselves can be very important to us, can't it? I remember some years ago, about 20 years ago in fact, I went down to a high place in Lower Hutt, I think it was Highpool in those days, and to hire a breaker for somebody else. And I had a cheque that was written out by someone else and I went in and, and asked for this machine and uh, the guy says to me, the guy behind the counter says, listen, um, we need your, some ID, we need your identity, we need to know who you are. And I said, well, hang on, I've got someone else's cheque. What, don't you really need to know their identity, not mine? says, no, 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 company policy, we need to know who you are. We're not worried about the cheque, we need to know who you are. I said, well, that's a bit strange. Anyway, he said, we're not giving you anything until you can prove who you are. We need to prove your identity. So I said, well, okay. Well, I, got, I sort of, it was tension between frustration and making this as funny as a thing as I could make out of it. So anyway, I said, I've got to go home, get some stuff. So I rushed, rushed back to Silverstream and got, went through our, some stuff in the house and put it all in a plastic bag and I rushed back down to Hyapool and Lower Hutt. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this guy was still on the counter and as I, as I approached the counter, I tipped out the plastic bag and I said, look, here we go. Here's my passport. There I am. Here's my driver's licence. Here's my gun licence. And here I've got a picture of me at primary school. And there I am, the skinny little boy on the left-hand side of the third row with a bad haircut. And then I said, look, I've also got my wedding photo. Here it is here. I'm the good-looking guy next to the lovely lady in white. So I had all this information for him. I said, look, I've even got um, a family photo. And here I am looking next to uh, this other gentleman who looks like my brother, you know. Um, and and he said, okay. He said, I said, he said that, that's fine. And he was beginning to get a smile on his face, at which point I said, listen, if you don't believe me, I've got a white envelope here. The inside is some body hair, and you can take it away for DNA testing, <laughs> and you will discover that it is me. At which point, there were some contractors behind me, at which point one contractor put his head over my shoulder and said, look, he said, mate, I'm convinced it's him. I don't know the guy, but I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy behind the counter uh, his, he, he got into more of a smile and he said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm having, this is the best day I've had for some months. Take the breaker and get out of here. <laughs> so our, so much can be wrapped up in who we are and our identity. Very personal to us, of course, isn't it? The central to who I am. So, sociologists tell us that at some time in our life, we will ask ourselves four basic questions. And one of those questions has to do with our identity. The other questions are to do with our origin, where am I from, my purpose, why am I here, and my destiny, where am I going. But 
our identity asks the question, who am I? And it's a question that, that needs, to be, needs to be explored. The, the Bible has a lot to say about our identity, as it does about our origin and our purpose and our destiny as well. In fact, the Bible kind of links them together. The threads come together in so many different ways and we can understand um, the, com- the complexity of those kind of questions that we ask ourselves in, the, in, in Scripture as we read through. Um, but our identity is explained, of course, in Genesis 1, where we are made in the image of God. Now, that doesn't mean to say that God looks like us, but the Hebrew word for image is a word, teselem, T-S-E-L-E-M. And what it means is that there's an immaterial part of me that is made in God's image. It looks like God. There is a spiritual part of myself. There's a, there's a, a moral likeness that actually bears his resemblance. And it enables me and it gives me the capacity to have this relationship with him, to walk with him, to talk with him, to listen to him, to relate to him through life. So our identity is is tied up in scripture. In John's gospel, Jesus takes us even further and he declares that, that we become, those who choose to follow him become his friends. We sing songs to that extent, don't we? And also his children. And then we, we move into the, the whole truth of sonship and the responsibility and the privilege of, of working in the father's business, of being part of his inheritance, of, of working with him in sonship. But briefly this morning, I want us to talk about the plural nature of our identity, not just who I am and, and my identity, but who we are as the body of Christ. And I know that we, we talk about we have analogies from scripture of the, of the body itself and the, the characteristics of a body of being interdependent and needing each other as the foot needs the leg, as the arm needs the hand, as the eye needs the hand, etc. We need each other and we work together as the body. And we have the other picture of the bride of Christ as well, where the bride has been purchased by the groom at a great price. And we've just talked about the, his blood that was shed for us and that Jesus loves the bride. He loves his church, and that one day he's coming for a perfect bride. We're not perfect now, are we? I mean, I was talking with Bruce the other day about how we can complain and be negative about different churches, and how, and we've got to be very careful how we do that, because the bride is not perfect. But we can't knock the bride. If you, if you continue to knock the bride, you'll have to deal at some stage with the bridegroom, and no one wants to do that. So we, but the bride and, and the body are both pictures of, of who we are in terms of our identity as a community, as a group of people. But this morning I want us to briefly consider um, a passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. And this links our identity with our purpose, what God has called us to as well as who God calls us. And it's written, this book is written to Christians who are living in a, in a fairly vast area of of what we now know as Turkey. And they weren't Jews, they were Gentiles, they were people of different uh, ethnic extractions and, and they were living under the, under the influence, under the power of, and oppression of Roman rule. And Peter, as he writes this passage, speaks to them in such a way that elevates them beyond their understanding. We're going to pull it up on the screen in a minute, so don't bother looking it up, we'll have it in the tech. But he elevates them to a to a level of understanding and experience far higher and greater than the rule that they were under at the present time. 
He's reminding the readers or the listeners because, of course, the letters that were written to the early churches were often read out to the small congregations, not necessarily read. But he's reminding them of their identity, of who they really were, of who they've become since they've become followers of Jesus. Reminding them that even though they lived under foreign influence and oppression, they also lived and and were citizens in another world where they were people of position and authority. He reminds them of their identity that positioned them on another level, enabling them to have influence in the world in which they live. And this morning we live in this other world. We live in this world, if you like, that's not with a, a, a government that's tyrannical or oppressive necessarily, not unless you're an avid Labour supporter and you don't like the national government, but we live in this world where we have an enemy as well, an enemy who does harass and does oppress, who does negatively influence and wants to disempower us, who wants to rob and to kill and destroy. And this week we have lived in that world and many of us have come this morning bearing the scars of harassment and oppression because of the world that we live in. And Peter in this passage that we're going to look at reminds the people that they actually have placed upon them an authority and a position in another world that enables them to have not only a different perspective of their own life, but also to have an influence on the world that they live in. And so we're going to look at that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. All right. I'm going to read to you just a little bit of verse 8 because it starts off, but you. So we need to know what happens. There's two link phrases in here. The first one is, but you. So the verse 8 says this, they stumble, this is the people that they lived with, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you, and now here he is speaking to the churches, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a holy nation, royal priests, God's very own possession. As a result, and that's the other link phrase, but you is the first one, and then as a result is the other link phrase. As a result, as a result of who you are, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Isn't that good? So there are four characteristics of this identity that that Peter is reminding the people of. Firstly, he says, you're a chosen people. You've been selected. You've been called out. There's no pride in this, but there's a humility that the creator of the universe has chosen us. Isn't that awesome? But you, but you have been chosen. How many of you remember at school the disappointment of not being chosen? Maybe for the soccer team or the school production. You know, I mean, I remember that. I was, I was never chosen first, not because I was not good at sport, because I, wasn't, I just wasn't competitive. People didn't want me in their team because I was more concerned about the team laughing than the team winning. <laughs> I was after a good time, not after a win. <laughs> But how many of us know what it's like to be left out, not to, not to, not to be selected, you know, to, to be overlooked? 
And yet, never mind all that, because God has chosen us. God's chosen you. He's selected you from, from those, from, from the but yous. But we have been chosen. We have been selected, called out. God has got something of far greater significance ready for us. We're a holy nation, washed clean. We've sung of that this morning. Bought with the blood of Jesus. We are wholly right with God, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his death. Cleansed, we are like him. The word nation there means the same as another ethnic group. It's the creation of another group of people. We are a holy nation. And we are all priests. We are appointed as priests to worship him, to bring our praise and our worship and our offerings to God, to bring our lives to God and to, as priests to stand to stand, if you like, between the God that we know and the people we know who don't know God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what a, what a responsibility, what a privilege to stand between the God that we know and the people we know who don't know God or the people who know God but because of life's circumstances have removed themselves or, or things have gone, gone astray. And we stand in that privileged position of, of, of God and of, of, of mediating, of being the of being the, the, the in-between, the mediator between God and those that we, that we intercede and bring before him. We are royal priests. We are people belonging to God. I think some of the early translations, I think the King James might use the word peculiar, doesn't it? I mean, and it talks about us being a peculiar people. And we know that some Christians are very peculiar. Um, but peculiar means, means a possession that's been purchased, a rightful possession. There is ownership. It's strictly his, and it's his to protect, his to look after, his to give his life for. No one else has any right to the possession that, he, that is his. Protects us as being of value. Right, then we have this link phrase. As a result, as a result of who you are, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I love the way the passage takes the reality of who we are, identity, from which his purpose is outworked in our lives. You may, and I think one of, this, this is from a, the New Living Translation, and some of your versions there, I think the NIV or the NASB might have, so that you may declare his praises. You may declare his excellencies so that, he, that others may see the goodness of God through our lives because of who we are. A couple of things. Our identity precedes our purpose. An understanding and acceptance of who we are must always precede how we live. Our purpose cannot be realised until our identity is embraced. The truth of who we are in God's world becomes reality in the here and now, becomes a catalyst and enables us to bring change to the world in which we live. It's his confirmation of who we are, the position of which he places us, that enables us to show the goodness of God and to realise the purpose to which we are called. We need to guard our identity. Our identity needs to be protected. Much discussion, isn't there, around the protection of our identity? 
personal security, our personal information, and that sort of thing. And we need to guard our identity. Our passport can be stolen, right? And when a passport is stolen, it can be in the hands of someone with criminal intent, and then it can restrict us to the places that we really want to go. So we protect our identity. We protect our, our passport because it's significant, it's important to us. How does this happen to us as God's people? Well, I believe that the enemy can rob and steal us of the assurance of our identity. The thief has come to steal, and one of the things that he does steal is that he steals the valuables from us. Maybe we have feelings of the past, things in our, things in our history that we'd rather not be reminded of, constantly reminded, and our identity of who we are. We forget. We are robbed of the fact that we are chosen, we are priests, we are a holy nation. We've made mistakes, we have feelings of inadequacy and we no longer sense that God has chosen us and God has set us apart. We need to know where, ident- where our identity is. And that's why one of the reasons why I love reading God's word. And I know that there's often debate about how regularly you should read the Bible, but I'm one for reading it as every day. I really am. Several reasons. Firstly, direction. Secondly, it shows me in my life what needs to be attended to. You know, the book of James, it talks about the Bible being a mirror. And the analogy that's used is that if you look into the mirror and you see a speck of dirt on your face and you don't wipe it off with a flannel, what's the point of that? When you read God's word and you see something that needs to be addressed, attended to, we need to deal with it. Why walk away? We need to read God's word to deal with the stuff that we know needs attending to. The other reason, I'm, I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of who I am. I need to be reminded that, that God, on this, on, in, this, in this world that God has, he has taken, he has placed me in a position of authority, he has given me an identity that's established once and for all. And I need to be able to drag that down to the level that I live today and have that worked out in my life. And I need to be reminded of that constantly because, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, and it's, it's okay to be honest in church, I know, but, but if I'm honest, there are times when, when in my humanity, my most natural response is, gee, I don't know if I'm up for this. I don't know if I can, God, have you got it wrong? Am I really, am I really a priest? Am I really, can I, have I really been given this responsibility? Have you laid this upon me? God, you know, you know everything about me. You know my misgivings and my failings and my, my, just the, just the part of my life that, that would, I think, make me inadequate to actually place this upon me. And I know my identity can be stolen and it can be lost, but for me, the most possible scenario is for me to say, God, I just don't know if I'm up to it. Are you like that? Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Saying, God, I can read this, but am I really up to it? Have you got it right? Have you made a, have you made a right choice here, God? I'm going to show a clip from one of C.S. Lewis's movies, the Narnia series, and it's from the movie uh, The Prince Caspian. And we pick up the story where they've had the fight with the Telemarine army and they've moved, of course you remember, those who've seen Prince Caspian? Okay. They've had a fight with the Telemarine army and they've moved to the, to the Burima Bridge and Aslan calls on the river god to, to help them and the, the, the army's wiped out on the bridge 
and well, they surrender. And then we pick up a dialogue on the edge of the river between Aslan, Prince Caspian, and the children. So I want you to really listen to that dialogue because it kind of helps us as we sum the morning up. So, Joel, if we can have the clip. Rise, kings and queens of Narnia. All of you. I do not think I am ready. It's for that very reason I know you are. It's good, isn't it? So, Aslan makes this declaration and he says, Arise, kings and queens of Narnia. All of you, Prince Caspian stays kneeled, and then Prince Caspian echoes the words, or we would echo the words maybe that Prince Caspian says. He says, I don't know if I'm ready for this. How many of us have echoed those words? I don't know if I'm ready to be a king or a queen. And then Aslan says the words that resonate with the heart of God. It's for that reason I know you're ready. I know your failings and I know your insecurities, your inadequacies, your misgivings and your doubts and all that. I know your weaknesses, but it's in your weakness that I am strong. And I want to suggest this morning that we need to grab hold of everything, of all that God has for us. And it starts with grabbing hold of understanding, of embracing, of who we are. Who we are on a world... This is going to require some very quick technology. How am I doing? Terrible? Turn that one off, please, and I'll go for this one. We're on. We need to be able to grab hold of everything that God has for us in this world and extract it, drag it down to the level that we live in today's world and say, God, I can use the fact that you've identified me as being part of a chosen people, as being a royal priest, as being selected, as being a holy nation. And in that, not only does it change my life, but it influences and enables me to bring change to the world in which you've placed me. May not be ready for it, but God says, in spite of our misgivings, in spite of our sense of inadequacy and all our doubts, and our weakness, he is strong. I'd like you to take a piece of paper, as we finish this off, just take a piece of paper that's in your mind, You've all got a piece of blank paper in your mind. Guys, for you, it's just beside the sports section. And ladies, for you, it's beside the Briscoe sale section. Take the blank piece of paper and just write on, just write on there in your mind what is there that would cause you to admit or concede that you're not ready to be the king or the queen of Narnia that God has called you to be. You're not ready to, to grab hold of all that God has for you. What are the inadequacies? What are the failings? What are the, what are the sense of, of doubt or the misgivings that you have? Maybe the sense that you're not good enough or, or just even that you're shy, even that 
uh, you know, it's not in me, I can't do that. Write that down in your mind now. Just take some time. What would cause you to say, I'm not ready for this? Is there anything? Have you written that down? Cool. Finished writing? Right. Okay, I want you to write something else down. Each one of us have been given a realm in which we are to bring God's rule. What is the Narnia, if you like, to which you've been called to be the king or queen? What is the realm, the area of life to which God has called you to bring his dominion? What is the realm in which you've been called to bring God's rule? To be his priest, to intercede. Guys, mums and dads, it will be your family. Guys, it might be your workplace. It might be a specific part of your workplace. Mums, it might be the ladies you meet at daycare. It might be the ladies you meet at preschool or the friends of your children. Or it might be where you are at work as well. What is the area in which you have been called to bring God's rule? Each one of us have an ania in which we've been called to be king or queen. What's yours? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have identified us as being chosen, identified us as being priests, priests who can come before you with our worship and our thanks, priests who can do that because you laid your life down for us. And we thank you that we can come before you and bring others before you as we stand between them and yourself. And Lord, we thank you that you've chosen us to be your people, to be a holy nation. And we want to grab hold of that truth drag it down to the level in which we live and make a difference in the world in which you've placed us. And for those things we've written down about our misgivings and our sense of inadequacies and our failures, Lord, we, we reject those and we ask that over these today and over these coming weeks, you'd help us to rub them, out of the, rub them off the sheet of paper, that they may lo- no longer have an influence over us and our future and who we are, that we would determine in our, in our hearts and our spirits to live in the assurance of the identity on which you have called us. We're called to be people of God who are, who are, who are chosen, who are selected. Lord, we want to live in that. And so, we, Lord, we, we want to dismiss the negativity and the, and the, and the thoughts of, of inadequacy that sometimes invade our minds. We do that. And we ask, Lord, that you would empower us, enable us, to rule and to have dominion, to have influence where you've called us to have it. Whether it's at our home, in our school, in our workplace, on the bus, and whatever it is that somehow the, the, the life of God and the kingdom of God would be made evidence because of the way that you are, are working through our lives and the way that your life is, is being uh, made evident through the way that we live. We ask that in your precious name. Lord God, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
just as we close off, I'd like to do something that we kind of haven't planned, but if how many here are involved in education? You're a teacher, you're, you're in, work in a school office, you work for the education department somewhere. Okay, what I'd like us to do is all those who are involved in education, it's the start of the year and all that, let's, I'd like you to stand, all those involved in education, stand where you are, and I'd like folk to gather around and pray for them. Can we do that? Folk to gather around and pray like, so that everybody here who's involved in education, and then we're going we're gonna to have another area after that. We've got a bit of time, so we'll do that. Let me just gather around and pray for those who are involved, and we just pray that, that as they stand as they stand in this realm that God has placed them in, that they'll be the priest, the priestess, if you like, where, where God's life is transferred to the folk that they interact with, the folk that, they, that God has given them the, the influence over, that the life of God would be transmitted through them to others. So let's pray, shall we? Let's let's. You pray as well, but you, I'll just give an over, kind of an over prayer as well. But you guys who are, who are laying hands on them, pray too. Father, we just thank you for these people. We thank you for the vocation that you've placed them in. A sphere of influence, a sphere where uh, the, the, the moral nature, the goodness of God be, can be transmitted to the younger generation. And we pray, God, that there would be a sense of responsibility upon them and a sense of your call upon them and, and all the life that you've given to transmit through them to those that desperately need it. And so, Lord, we pray right now that you'd empower them, that you'd equip them for this year. Lord, that somehow the, the, the Spirit of God would just rest over them and, and enable them to do the mighty work that you've called them to do. That through what they say, through what, how they live and through how they act, through how they respond to circumstances, and through how they, even how they re- respond to difficulties, Lord, would be a, would, would, would enable others to see the life of Jesus in them. We pray that your power would be evident in their lives and when the, when the occasion arises to speak your name and to bring the word of God to, the, to, the, to those that they care for, may that occur too. We pray for sensitivity. We pray that there'd always be a, 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 just a calling upon you for the right time and a discernment to bring a right word of encouragement and life to those that they, that they teach, those that they work with in your precious name. We pray for good things in their schools, in their classrooms, in their offices. Lord, we just ask that, that in this year, in these coming weeks, the power of God would be evident, the life of God would be seen in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we, um, can we also pray for all those who are involved in the health profession? All those who are involved in, whether you're a nurse in the pharmacy, you know, um, or, in a, or in a shop somewhere, you're selling stuff, you're, you're selling drugs, you know, I mean, you, what, you know, whatever you, if you're involved in the health profession, we'd love to pray for you as well. So will they stand up and... And can we gather around those folk as well? All right. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are the giver of life and that you work through the medical profession. We thank you that you have called these folk 
to work in areas where they are assisting and helping those who are ill, those who are, who are physically disabled, those who are, who are in need of, of treatment of some sort. And we ask that you would give them a real wisdom, a wisdom as they prescribe, a wisdom as they talk, a wisdom as they, as they consult, a wisdom as they, as they just lead on and, and, and even discern what, what needs to be dealt with. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help them as they stand in their, in their vocation as priests or priestesses. That would, that would mean that the life of God and the goodness of God, the health of God indeed, can flow through. And so, Lord, we, we acknowledge the, the, um, the medical profession and all that it does. And, Lord, we also realize this morning the supernatural work of a mighty God. And we pray, Lord, that at times when the miraculous is needed, when healing is needed, that there will be an opening for that as well. And we pray that even in this profession that is sometimes uh, not always open to that, Lord, that there would be a sensitivity for the times that it is open for the God of miracles to work in Jesus' name. We pray that. We pray that you'll be with them. And, Lord, that you would honor their work and the study they've put in. And, and Lord, that over these coming weeks and months, there would be an outpouring of your goodness through them to the lives of others. We accept that. We just uh, we, we want that. And we just... Thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. The building profession. I think they need prayer more than anybody. All right, that's it for the morning. Thank you very much. And um, pray God's blessing upon you. And I pray that this week as we just can embrace a little more of who God has called us to be, who's, who has identified us to be, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation selected by him, his possession, one that he would... He's given us life for and continues to give us life for. And may we grab hold of that. May we get the, the truth and the reality of that from this world and bring it down to the world that we live in right here and now, enabling us not only to change our lives, but to be catalysts for change in the world that we live and bring change to the lives of others. Isn't that good? Can we do that? Great. Amen.